Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalvin Asario. Dalvin, how you doing today? Doing good, Joe. Doing good. Glad training camp is, you know, underway and we are inching, inching ever so painfully closer to, one, the end of hopefully the war between the Lannisters and the Starks, but also, uh, you know, kicking off this whole thing. Yeah, I don't like all these uh, Ws that Cersei's running up right now, but you know what? You got to even score up, make it competitive, and I I think we're going to have a more successful back half of the season for the quote-unquote good guys. We'll see, though. You never know what game um, so as of the recording of this podcast, we have four Jets training camp practices in the books. Uh, the green and white, green and white scrimmage will be this Saturday. Uh, and then a week after that will be the first preseason game. Uh, so we're going to talk about our early impressions of what's coming out of training camp, uh, along with a few thoughts on how different fans are going to watch and consume, uh, the Jets this year, considering the type of situation the team is currently in. So, before we dive into that, I want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official team partner and sponsor of the New York Jets. Uh, make sure to check out primesport.com backslash turn the Jets for more information about some of their fan experience packages at home games and some of their away game travel packages for the 2017 season. Again, that's primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. Make sure to give them a follow on Twitter at Primesport and a follow on Facebook at Primesport as well. So yeah, I don't think we've had anything overly shocking come out in, the, in these first four days. I think most of us really thought this was a, a two-man competition at quarterback, and the reps dictate that. Uh, Bryce Petty is way, way, way behind the amount of reps that he's getting uh, compared to Christian Hackenberg and Josh McCown. And Josh McCown has been with the first-team offense and only worked with the first-team offense all four days. I believe the count is, as of now, he's had 90 total reps, where Hackenberg's at about 70. I think Petty's somewhere in the 40 to 50 range. On paper, uh, McCown has probably the best overall stats. I think he's completing about 70% of his passes compared to about 60 for Hackenberg. Uh, McCown does have an interception in team drills. Hackenberg has been able to avoid that. Haven't seen any touchdown passes in team drills yet from any of the quarterbacks, which is uh, somewhat troubling. But right now the reality of this seems to be that it's a two-man competition. Uh, McCown will have the early leg up probably be with the ones in the scrimmage, probably be with the ones in the first preseason game, and the Jets will be looking for an opportune time to potentially hand this off to Hackenberg, whether McCown is ineffective or gets hurt. I think it's fair to say that Hackenberg has been better than he was last year. I think him avoiding interceptions and team drills uh, has been a positive. I do think that you do have to approach some of the chatter coming out of uh, it with caution, because I think most fans rightfully so, want to see Hackenberg be the guy. So uh, he's always going to get, I think, graded a little bit more on a positive curve. But on the whole, it seems like both of them have been roughly about the same, but McCown is getting more work with the first team. I mean, what are your thoughts uh, four days into this, and what are you expecting to see coming out of that scrimmage on Saturday? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think Hackenberg – so, and the one thing that I've kind of kept saying throughout pretty much the the last seven months, I guess, since the season ended was – Regardless of who the Jets brought in uh, in free agency, unless they took either Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes or, God 
forbid, Mitchell Trubisky or one of the younger quarterbacks. Well, actually, just those three. Unless they took those three, I thought that it was going to be Hackenberg versus whatever veteran that they floated out there. It ended up being Josh McCown. If they play to a tie, which by all intents and purposes, aside from Hack's really bad day yesterday, um, it seems like they're they're pretty neck and neck, which one is surprising for me because I thought Hackenberg was really bad last year. I thought that any time that you saw him, he just looked real, he looked lost. I do think that he got a head start on McCown because he was in, you know, in spring camp and was able to kind of start to work on Morton's offense, et cetera. Um, and he's clearly put in the work to close the gap between him and McCown. Do I think he's a better quarterback than McCown right now? No, but I do think that he's physically more talented. And therefore, if it's close in performances, then he has to get the nod. And that's kind of what we've seen. We've seen it be close enough where now you start to wonder, do you ramp up Hackenberg's reps to start getting him ready? Because he's clearly, he's clearly at least on par with McCown. You look at a guy like Bryce Petty, not in, he's not included for the simple fact that he he had his chance last year with the four games that he played. A lot of people like to point to the shoulder injury and the fact that the team was quote unquote decimated. But realistically, he he's playing with he played with better players than Hackenberg played with last preseason. And if you're going to hold Hackenberg's last preseason against him, why wouldn't you hold Petty's four games against him? It just doesn't make much sense. Petty's the worst one out of the three, which is why you see him with the less reps, like you mentioned. Like I think he's up to like 41 or something like that. And there's so that's a 30 rep gap between him and Hackenberg and a 50 rep gap between him and McCown. Petty's just there for insurance and it would not surprise me if he's cut. I think leading into the green and white scrimmage on on this weekend i think you want to see hackenberg continue to protect the ball in 11 and 11 on 11 situations i don't put too much stock in the seven on sevens but the 11 on 11s you want to see him protect the ball you want to see him take continue to take shots downfield and show that arm strength that he has and you want like i know a lot of people are kind of fretting because they're like oh my god the offense is just dinks and dunks but that's really what the saints offense has been for so long and that's really what Harbaugh's offense in San Francisco was it was you give your wide receivers the chance and your running backs the chance and your tight ends the chance to get as much rack as much yak as possible and that's what you're seeing with this offense and you want to see Hackenberg continue to do that I know a lot of people are going to say well you know that's not the way to really you have to unleash the young quarterback but I actually don't think so I think it lends itself to what this offense is going to do because if Hackenberg can hit those underneath throws with consistency, which he's shown so far through four practices, then that's when that opens up the rest of the field. So I've been pleasantly surprised with what I've seen from him. And again, if it is close after the scrimmage, I I do not think that the Jets should be averse to saying, well, no, we need to still keep McCown in there because Hackenberg's not ready. At some point, they're going to have to throw him into the deep end. Yeah, and I think you got to realize that it's not really pragmatic to have a three-way competition for the starting quarterback. There's just not enough reps to go around, and you end up just hurting the development of everybody. There's only, you know, so many reps to go around with the first-team offense and so many opportunities to develop chemistry with the first offensive line, the first receivers, the first tight ends. And I think that's why you'll even see the Jets want to name uh, their starting quarterback sooner rather than later. I don't think they will. My guess is it will probably be the day or two after the third preseason game. And I, I do think this will probably play out. You know, McCown, I think if he goes in and does what he's done mostly in practice, which is throw the ball underneath, which I think the Jets offense is going to be built on throwing short, counting on guys like Anua, Powell, Forte, and Stewart to run after the catch, protects the ball, can set the protections, uh, can get the team in and out of the huddle. Uh, they'll probably default to him being the guy to start the year unless Hackenberg truly, you know, is really standing out in the preseason. I think the reason they're going to do that is it's 
you could start the season with McCown and then go back to Hack, go to Hackenberg. Whereas if you start the season with Hackenberg and he's not ready and he plays really bad out of the gate, what, what are you doing then? Are you, are you going to 38-year-old Josh McCown in week five or week six? I think the Jets kind of want to hold that uh, Hackenberg move after seeing how the early part of the season goes. Now, again, if Hackenberg goes out and he goes 10 for 13 for 110 yards with a touchdown in the first preseason game, yeah, I think you might see this timetable move up. Maybe he starts a second preseason game and he could be the guy. Right now, it's just still kind of feels like he's treading water, but he's going to get his chance at some point this year. He is going to start at least five to seven games, if not more than that, because the Jets simply need to evaluate him at some point. Uh, outside of the quarterback position, have not seen too many uh, surprises. It's been encouraging to hear Morris Claiborne playing well. We expected Justin Burris and Dylan Donahue to be getting reps with the first-team defense early which they have been, uh, by all accounts, Adams and May have went in as day one starters and have looked at the part that I think the coaching staff expected. I think the main consistent negative has been the offensive line, which isn't overly shocking because they're blocking the Jets' most talented unit. And right. if those three guys are playing to their ability, they're one of the four or five best defensive lines in the NFL. And this is a young, inexperienced unit that it still seemed, seems to be working through a lot of rotations and tackle. The Jets just aren't handing Beecham and Shell the starting jobs, even though I do think ultimately they'll be the two starting tackles. You're seeing uh, Igelana, you're seeing Quali still getting reps in there. So the Jets are still sort of working through some issues at offensive line. And it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on in the preseason. Across the rest of the offense, uh, you know, Forte's already banged up. I don't think you're going to see a lot of him in the preseason if he's not traded at some point. I don't even think you're going to see a lot of Powell in the preseason. I think the Jets hopefully are going to be smart uh, and hold those guys out to the regular season. You'll see a ton of Elijah McGuire. You'll see a ton of Jordan Todman. Uh, you'll see a ton of any other guys that they end up adding uh, at different points throughout camp. Uh, outside of quarterback, what uh, has turned your head so far to this point of camp? So uh, you mentioned the running backs, and I mean, I think Elijah McGuire has been as good as I thought he was going to be. But again, it's and also I'll preface this by saying it is only four practices, but I think you have to be excited about what you're saying from him. Dylan Donahue, who, again, I when the Jets drafted him, I think, you know, we all rightfully scratched our heads a little bit. Right. Just because I think you you do wonder, like, OK, did you you overlooked more high profile pass rushers early on in the draft? And then you take a flyer and a guy like Donahue. But. Even in my write-up of Donahue, the one thing that I did say was that it would not surprise me if he was a six-and-a-half to seven-sack guy off the edge because I think what the Jets lack on defense is a, is an edge rusher, and Donahue is that. Donahue has, you know, again, a lot of people will say that, you know, he's too old to contribute, but realistically, like, he's a guy that's, that he's going to get opportunities because obviously the coaches like him, and you don't have to worry about loafing with him as opposed to how you worried about that a little bit with Malden, and he does bring a presence to this defense that they don't have. Have Derek Jones is another guy that stood out. Joe Malfa talked about him yesterday while he was while he was on the ground for us. But a, a lot of people scoffed when they saw that I had him on my 53-man roster. But I think with Jones in particular, here's a kid who, again, yes, the transition is still very new for him from from one side of the ball to the other. And he, he played basketball, he played other sports. But raw athleticism and his ability to track the ball and his size, you do not teach that. You can't. That it's not something. You're not going to teach somebody to grow four inches. You're not going to teach somebody to run a 4-3-40. That's not going to happen. He has that in spades, and he has the desire to want to be better. I will I, – I know I just said that, you know, it's four practices, so it doesn't matter, but Jamal Adams is as good as I thought he was going to be, and I don't expect any different. The one surprise, though, has been Marcus May's coverage ability. And, again, a lot of people have sat there when he was drafted and said, well, 
why would you get two safeties that can't cover? And realistically, that's not what the Jets did. The Jets went and got two safeties that can cover. May, again, because of Wilson and Tabor, you didn't pay too much attention to him at Florida, but he he covered well. Did he get beat a lot deep? Yeah, but that's why you have Adams as the deep cover one safety and May able to kind of move and be the movable piece and vice versa. So those have been the biggest things. You mentioned the offensive line, and I think it's, it should be noted that this is an offensive line that has not played together at all. You know, like it's Wesley Johnson, it's Brian Winters, it's James Carpenter, it's Kevin Beecham, and it's Brandon Shell. And you're adding Beecham there. Shell didn't become a starter until the last four games. Winters was already hurt at that time. So really just Johnson and Carpenter have real familiarity for an extended period of time. And so that's something to be noted as well. Plus, like you said, they're going against arguably the, if not the second or third best defensive line in football, they're up there, I think. And so that's... That kind of you kind of have to take the struggles with a grain of salt. The other thing I will say before I throw it back to you is Sheldon Richardson looks absolutely possessed. And what I do like about Todd Bowles is that he is not hesitating to put all three of them together, him, Williams, and Richardson, Williams, and Wilkerson, which is a big, which is something that I think he should have done last year. And I'm glad to see that he's been doing it this year so far. Yeah, and I think one of the things you mentioned about May and uh, the versatility of the Jets' secondary on the back end is going to be key. I think we need to see from Jamal Adams him lining up a free safety, strong safety in the slot. I think you need to be able to see Adams line up consistently at free safety when Adams is moving around or potentially move into some different positions. I think how Todd Bowles utilizes these guys uh, is going to be one of the most interesting things to watch this year. One way that Bowles can make a strong claim to potentially keeping his job uh, next season if he is smart. Uh, with how he utilizes them. So, you know, I think that's where we're at. I think you're going to have uh, a couple new developments and storylines coming out of the green and white scrimmage. And then before we know it, uh, first preseason game will be here August 12th against the right. Titans. Uh, we'll actually be uh, in the building uh, for the Jets' first preseason game. I'll be there uh, with a media credential up in the box getting to watch it. And then Dalton will be at a few more practices uh, later in camp. We'll also have Scott Mason at a few more practices later in camp. So we've already had Joe uh, Malfa at one, but uh, you know we're going to work uh, when we can outside of our day jobs uh, to get there and get you guys some coverage. But we'll be in the building for the first preseason game and then a few more different practices throughout the rest of August. And really, I think the preseason games is when you're going to see people uh, start to separate themselves from the pack and we'll get a much, much, much better idea uh, of how playing time uh, is going to shake out on this team where there's so much competition in so many spots. And, you know, speaking of, you know, how this roster is constructed and how this team is constructed, this is, uh, this is kind of a unique season, right? Normally, with most football teams, a lot of time and energy is put into how is this team going to win games this year? Uh, can this team compete for the playoffs this year? That's not necessarily the main discussion going on around the Jets. Understandably, they brought that narrative on themselves when they abruptly released David Harris and Eric Decker so late in the offseason, coupled with some of the other decisions that they were made, which in most cases were the right decisions to make considering the state of the roster. The reality is that anything could happen any given year. Uh, the Jets could win more games than most people anticipate. I don't think this is a one or two or three win team like many do. I also don't think it's an eight or nine win team. I think it's probably somewhere in between that, uh, pending how well the defensive line plays, pending what happens at quarterback, uh, pending on a few other factors. That being said, you know, if you look at what the Jets did this offseason, it's a completely logical thing to think, hey, this team's number one goal is not winning games in 2017. It's building for the long term, and you could call that tanking, you could call it whatever you want to call it. And I think 
you know, I read some of these articles and, well, don't talk to the Jets about Jets players about tanking. Obviously, the players are not tanking. They're not going to risk themselves getting hurt and try to lose games on purpose for a team they might not even be on in 2018. That's not how tanking works in the NFL. Uh, tanking, whether it exists or not, is coming from the decisions being made out of the front office and how the Jets are making playing time decisions now and down the stretch. And if the Jets are 4-8 and eight going into December, uh, are they going to make a couple decisions that might not help them win in the immediate future, but might help them evaluate for next year and might not negatively impact their draft uh, position. And some of that stuff happened last year. That, that's why Bryce Petty was playing down the stretch. As bad, as bad as Ryan Fitzpatrick was, he was still better than Bryce Petty last year. And there's a reason Petty was getting to start games uh, towards the end of last season. It's because the Jets weren't in the mix for a playoff spot. And we can see that kind of thing again this year. And, you know, I think one thing that fans should avoid, I mean, they may choose not to, and you know, outlets like us are going to avoid is we're not going to preach or lecture to people on how to be quote unquote real fans or how to watch the team or consume the team this year. If you want, if you're going to root for them to win every single game, whether they're 0-0 or 1-11, Godspeed, enjoy it. It's a sport. Consume it how you want to consume it. If you think that the team is best served by losing games and you're going to be not that upset if they lose some games early in the year, the middle of the year, late in the year. That's completely fine. If you're somewhere in between where you'll be rooting for them every week, but if they lose, they lose. It's not a big deal. If you want to talk about the tank, don't talk about the tank. Whatever. It, it's a sport. Watch the team how you want to watch it. Uh, people should not be lecturing other people on this is how you have to watch the team. To each his own, uh, particularly with a season like that. And we're definitely not going to talk at people and tell them how they need to watch the team. We're not going to act like every single decision they make is a genius decision and everything that they've ever done is right because the reality is they haven't made the playoffs in the last six years. You know, when, you, when you're just going sunshine and rainbows and lollipops about everything they do, you end up being really inconsistent with some of the things that you say. You end up, you know, being somebody who in 2015 said, Demario Davis is awesome. He's a great inside linebacker, so underrated. Then when the Jets cut him, you say, God, it was a really smart move. The Jets cut to Mario Davis. He wasn't that good. Then when he comes back, you say, yeah, I always loved Mario Davis. I'm glad he's back. He's a great inside linebacker. So there's no consistency with that. And we're not, we're not going to approach the team in that way. We have multiple people who cover the team and who have different levels of optimism and pe pessimism. That's why we have different viewpoints on the site. But we're not going to – we're going to give you guys more credit – than acting like the Jets are the smartest team in the NFL until they start winning playoff games, winning divisions, and winning Super Bowls. We're also not going to say they're going to go in 16 because we don't think that's the case, and we do think that some of their talent is being underrated in some places. But, uh, you know, it's just going to be interesting to watch how this season develops, whether the Jets start better than expected or worse than expected, watching some of the different discourse uh, in different parts of this fan base. I mean, what do you think of the overall situation, Dominic? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. Uh, to quote Connor again, the bottom line is this team is going to do what they're going to do, right? I think I personally do think that they will be better than a lot of people are expecting, but I also think that that's just because the nature of the NFL. I mean, you've had, I think it's like eight straight seasons where some team has gone from worst to first and some team that has either made the playoffs, missed the playoffs, or vice versa. And I think that that typically happens. Now, my suddenly printing up Super Bowl tickets in Minnesota to go watch the Jets play the Giants. No, that's not what I'm doing. But I do think that ultimately there's going to be some good moments from this season. There's going to be some bad moments. It's kind of just what you, the ebb and flows of the NFL and the ebb and flows of a young team. However, I 
like I saw, I think somebody has shared this with you, a picture of a, of a Sam Darnold number 14 gestures. <laughs> One, he's not even the best quarterback in college. Two, I mean, you're getting ahead of yourself. And three, how disappointed are you going to be when they draft six and pick Arden Key from LSU because they really need an edge rusher and they believe in Hackenberg? I mean, that's just kind of the reality. Um, root the way that you want to root. I personally, I life is too short for me to root for the team that I love to lose, but I also am not going to sit here like Joe said, and I've gotten a lot of flack for this, like, oh, my God, well, how do you know Bryce Petty's so bad? Like, you know, he deserves a chance, whatever, whatever. Listen, man, I trust my football eye. I know I, 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 I'm – my track record's pretty good. If I say if, – if I see something and I see somebody's good, I will say it regardless of the team that they play on. If I see somebody that's not very good, I will say it regardless of the team that they play on. And I think in particular with this team, there's some pieces that I really, really like, and there's some pieces that I really, really don't like. And I, and I will always cover the team that way. Because ultimately, like Joe said, we have to we're not I'm not going to treat you guys like I'm not I refuse to be accused of homerism or like, oh, my God, the Jets are fantastic. Everything that they do makes sense. No, man. Bringing back Ryan Fitzpatrick made no sense. Releasing Eric Decker and David Harris when they did made no sense. Uh, you know, not trading Sheldon Richardson for a number two to Dallas last year made no sense. McCagnan worries me when it comes to quarterbacks. So even if they're picking first, I'm sure he will find a way to take Connor McDermott from Texas because we need a left tackle at that point. Um, that's just my my assessment of McCagney's job, and it will always be fair and unbiased because I want to see the team win and I want to see them do well, but I also know that you guys don't come to me to paint these elaborate stories of fantasy for you. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, root the way that you want to root, but I, I won't root for them to lose. I'll just root for them to do the very best that they can, and hopefully we shock some teams and make the playoffs at the end of the season because I like being in the playoffs, but I could care less about the other stuff. Absolutely. So, again... Let's not let's not get uh, overly preachy here about football. Let's just uh, see how this team does. You know, root for them. Hope they overachieve. Hope the young players play well. Hope that this team is heading in the right direction overall. Uh, with that, before we wrap, we're going to throw it to a quick preview of this week's Play Like a Jet podcast. Make sure to subscribe to that on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Make sure to check out our store, The Loyalist. It's been awesome to see the support around the gear. Awesome to see. Uh, People out of camp getting pictures of Quincy Nuwa wearing the uh, Give the Ball to Nuwa and Powell shirt. And uh, some of the other people have been sending stuff over wearing it. Uh, we'll keep some new designs coming out to you guys. Make sure to follow Dalvin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at JCaparoso. Dalvin, any final words before we throw it to Scott? Uh, yeah, Scott's done a really good job, guys. So get those reviews in. Play Like a Jet has been awesome. Uh, he also filled in for me last week on draft season, so that was good, too. Um, yeah, just enjoy this, man, because honestly, like a lot of a lot of Jet fans will sit there and say, man, I really want to rebuild. I really want to rebuild. And the team is doing that. And they're like, oh, my God, why didn't they go spend eighty four million dollars on Stefan Gilmore, who got decked by Julian Edelman yesterday? <laughs> so just enjoy the ride, man. All right, everybody, before we wrap, wrap, we'll throw it to Scott and we'll talk to everyone next week. And before we wrap this week's episode, we'd like to give you a little preview of what's to come on this week's Play Like a Jet, which is our other podcast in the turn on the Jets digital network hosted by Scott Mason. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes where Scott interviews former New York Jets on different seasons in the team history. Right now, he's working through a multi-part interview with Terry Rhodes. So, Scott, I'm going to just throw it to you real quick and you can give us a little preview. Thanks, Joe. And if you haven't checked out parts one through three yet, you can see them on turnonthejets.com. Also, subscribe on iTunes. If you haven't heard them yet, you're really missing out. Everybody that has has had plenty of nice things to say, and I think that they will have plenty of nice things to say about the final part that debuts on Friday. Part four, wrapping up the 2008 season with former Pro Bowl safety Kerry Rhodes. 
what might we talk about for Friday's episode? A couple of things. How about some snowballs in Seattle? You remember that whole incident from 2008? We'll talk a little bit about that. There was a crazy day against the Buffalo Bills that happened late in the season. We get into that one. And then the end of the season, the Coda. Chad Pennington, in an opportunity to get revenge, did he take advantage of it? What happened at the end of the season with Eric Mangini and Brett Favre? And where would the Jets go from there? What happened at the end of 08? And what would they be looking to do in 2009? We'll get Kerry's perspective on all of those things and more Friday, part four of our discussion with Kerry Rhodes on the 2008 season. Don't forget, go subscribe at iTunes, and it'll be available at turnonthejets.com. If you haven't given us review yet, please do. Really appreciate it. And that also, of course, goes for Joe and Dalbin's Turn on the Jets podcast and draft season with Dalbin and Jeff Lloyd. It doesn't take a lot of time to do. It's free, obviously, but it helps us out a lot. So if you do that, really appreciate it. And I really appreciate everybody listening and giving us such positive feedback for parts one through three. I really think you're going to enjoy part four on Friday. Thank you, Scott. Again, everyone, please make sure to subscribe on iTunes. If you can't listen on iTunes, we'll always put the full episode up on TurnOnTheJets.com and our audio player where you can listen as well. Uh, Make sure to check back next week for a new episode of Turn On The Jets podcast and another new episode of Play Like a Jet. Thank you, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.